Hey guys, it's me, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, today is going to be a special day for me. They say don't ever meet your heroes. Well, that's bullshit. Uh, Justin's been a healer hero of mine for many years. I followed his journey from day one, and I'm so grateful that he's joining us today. He, like I called him earlier, the Swiss Army knife of health and fitness. Um, he's a podcaster, author, speaker. He does it all. And I'm just grateful that he's willing to take some time to hang with us. Justin, brother, welcome to the show. Rich, it is a pleasure to be here today, man. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm just excited to share my story with your audience. And I'd love to just talk about my health and wellness journey, if you're cool with that. Oh, definitely. So now I got a traumatic brain injury. So if I don't say something, I'm going to forget. Um, what is your definition of resiliency? Man, I'll tell you what, that's a huge, I'm sure everybody's going to be like, whoa, where do I start with that? Right. But I would say when it comes down to it is you pick yourself back up no matter what happens in life. Right. So, so you're given, you are given opportunities to stay down after big things happen to you, things that you don't like consequences from bad decisions or whatever comes your way, negative things. You can sit down and stay down, or you can say, mm, these cards that I was dealt, not very good, terrible hand. Don't really want to play these cards, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to stand up. I'm going to get up and I'm going to move forward. I would say that's my definition of resiliency. Okay. And that's a, that's a great definition. Now, the way I got to find out about you is one night I was watching that show, My 600-Pound Life, and then I'm scrolling through my Facebook during the commercial, and I seen you in an interview with one of my friends, and I'm like, I got to have that dude come on my show because a lot of those people that were on that show are no longer with us. Mm. And that's why I was like, I want to talk to somebody that actually made it through, and he's holding on to it because I was a fan of The Biggest Loser, I was with GNC for over 30 years, and I seen so many people that lost three, 400 pounds, gained five, 700 pounds back. So I think it's different when a person loses it and then keeps it off. So that's why I wanted to talk to you today. So give us a little background. You know, where'd you come from? Where'd you grew up? And what was your childhood like? So, Rich, man, I was from a small town of Pence in Bradford, Pennsylvania. Uh, we're looking at small town, PA, yep. 8,000 people. Grew up there my whole life. And I was always this big kid, man. I was a cute, I was, I mean, I was in second grade, I was 200 pounds, which that's a pretty big dude, right? And, you know, growing up in school, I had some buddies in elementary school. I was, I was a cool kid in elementary school. Like people, kids loved me. Uh, because I was bigger. I was like double, triple the size of them. Right. And, and I would be their bodyguard and, and I would help them when, when, you know, people try to threaten them and upperclassmen try to threaten them. I'd be like, don't mess with them. You know, that type of thing. And time went on where I get to go up to middle school <laughs> and middle school became this different animal. Um, kids were a little different. They weren't as nice as elementary school and ended up uh, getting picked on throughout school. And, just wasn't uh, wasn't something that that really did well in my mind, right? It, it plagued me, and it made me not want to go back to school. So I got to, I believe I got up to let me see, sixth, seventh, 
I got to uh, eighth, ninth grade. And then after ninth grade, I was homeschooled because I was picked on my in school. Um, so it just was definitely something that it wasn't fun in school for me, especially as I got older. Uh, you want to fast forward there. I developed anxiety disorder and panic disorder at the age of 16 or 14. Actually, I was 14 and I had some issues with my mind. Uh, I was always in constant fear, anxiety. I was always nervous and scared that I was going to die. I was afraid to do a lot of things, man. I, I just, life was gripped. I mean, my life was gripped in fear, which held me back a lot. I'll be honest with you. And later on in life, uh, that anxiety disorder plagued me to the point where it paralyzed me to not want to move, to not want to do really anything to make my heart race. I thought I was going to have a heart attack and die. And then I ended up to cope with that. Y'all think medication would be the answer. It wasn't. <laughs> uh, the the, the uh, answer relied in food to me. So Rich, I would, I would gorge myself to have peace. You know, I would, I wouldn't feel, I, I would feel very anxious. So I would, I would go to a, you know, a, a, a candy bar or a cupcake, or I would go and not just one. I say, I say candy bar to cupcake. I mean, I'm talking like, give me three or four or five or six of them. So I, I would go to anything to take the edge off. Right. And it, and it passed that anxiety for a small amount of time, but then you know what you're doing to yourself. You're sitting there not burning any fuel that you're putting into your body. I mean, normal body functions, absolutely. Your heart's rate, your heart's going, you're, you're breathing. You're going to burn some calories doing that, but you're not going to burn to the extent of consuming thousands and thousands and thousands of calories all day long because you're addicted to food. So I had that food addiction and I had the, the, the anxiety, which made me sit on a consistent basis. And so when you eat a lot, you don't move at all. You're going to pack on the pounds. And dude, that's my history. And I'm excited to share the next part. But I want to pause there in case you want to say anything about that and really dissect some of that. Oh, for me, you know, I love I love dissecting. Um, I, I love I want to go back. I want to go back in the way back machine. Um, I came from an addicted household. I was I was abused. And for me, my solace was, you know, reading. That that was my solace was learning. So what do you think, if you went back, what would you think was the reason that you started to eat as much? That's one question. Then the other question I have is, you know, I, I was with GNC for over 30 years, friend, many friends, Mr. Olympias, all this stuff. And at one point they're lauded because they're so big and they're so muscular, but then they get older and they get out of shape. And now the thing that made them feel comfortable now they're uncomfortable. So, cause it must've been weird be thinking you were the, literally the big kid, big man in school, everybody liked you. And then the next day or the next school year, you know, now you're being, you know, picked on and shunned because of the same size. So talk, bring us back a little bit. Yeah. So let's talk about the triggers of anxiety, right? Like what, what is the start, the catapult of that? And what's the start of the catapult of food addiction? And I'm just going to say, I think what, what started the whole process of anxiety was I took a lot on when my parents would consist, they would argue on a constant basis. It was a lot of 
back and forth. They weren't getting along. Now they get along amazing today. So shout out to my parents today, man. They are, they are in love. It's a great, like they've been married for, I think it was been like 40 years now. Like they're just amazing. Well, they had that spell in life where when I was a teenager, where they would argue on a constant basis. And, and I think that played a big role in, in my mind. Like I always thought in the back of my mind, they're going to split up. They're going to split up. And we don't recognize how detrimental it is when two people who are married uh, get divorced because they fall out of love. Now, I know things happen in life, right? Things happen where maybe one cheats on the other and we have the rights to say, you know what? This doesn't work out. That happened in my life um, and ended up going through a divorce. We didn't have any kids, which knock on wood, that's good, right? In that point. But for people who just want to call it quits because they get in some disagreements or they can't work through something that pretty much you can work through put the work into it you play a bit it really messes with kids right so my parents weren't getting divorced but they were arguing constantly and i found myself in the middle of that i found myself always going and, and trying to be the mediator between my parents and like i'm like dad mom uh mom said she was sorry even though she didn't say a word i would fib and lie just to get him to like chill out and cool down like try to try to reconcile that relationship so I'm like, you know, or I do the same thing with my mom. I'm like, dad, dad's really sorry, mom. Like he didn't. So being that person that goes back and forth to my parents and staying in the middle of that, it was really hard. I think it was a lot of big toll on me. And then my brother, he's autistic. And so he, even though he's four years older than me, he still functions at a lower level than I would, than I did. And so I found myself being a bigger brother where I was sort of been the younger brother. And so I took a lot on in my family life. And I feel like it, that that triggered a lot. And then my dad on his side of the family had anxiety issues, but they weren't as as, as out there as mine were. And so I think there was like a, a, a lot of factors in play. I also believe in the spiritual world. I think there was spiritual dynamics at play too. So I do think there was like a variety of things going on to create that avenue of anxiety. Also, uh, when it comes down to the food addiction, what started that process, man, I'll, I think I've always, my mom's always been a bigger person. My family liked to eat, grew up, my family loved to eat. <laughs> so I feel like, I feel like there's always that element of growing up and having food that's plentiful that wasn't healthy for me, right? It was always there. It was comfort. It was good. It was what I wanted. There was that element, but there was also my, my uh, friends, my best friend's dad, and he would eat and eat and eat. And I saw like the things he was eating, like he literally would make like five or six sandwiches at a time, sit down and watch a Buffalo Bills game and just eat and eat and eat and have ice cream after. And I'm like, dang, that looks amazing, you know? And, and it attracted me to kind of, I was young at that point. I wasn't 14 yet. And I was like, I think I was like 11 or 12, but I was watching him and what his eating habits were. And I liked food. It tasted good. Like, and, and I thought, well, if he does that, he only has a little belly on him. So he's not that bad. Right. So I can just, I can do that. There shouldn't be an issue. So as my young mind was trying to make some logic out of that, I start doing the same thing, making some toast, make about 10 slices of toast, put some butter and peanut butter and jelly on that bad boy, make some sausage up, put that on the side and, and, and put some orange juice in the cup. That's yay tall. Right. And so doing that over and over and over again and, and consuming and gorging, man, I would, I would have like six to seven apples at a time. Even if it was healthy, I would still gorge it down. I just was attracted to food. It was just a, so what triggered that? I think my, my upbringing in my past, um, it wasn't, it wasn't unrealistic for my, my parents to, to, uh, 
go once a week and, and purchase two foot long subs and my brother, myself and each and them, we would all sit down and have those together with some potato chips and soda. Right. It was just, it wasn't uncommon. And I would just eat mine down. I didn't want to share. So I, I just gorged it down. I just kept eating it. I didn't want to share it. Um, so I think there's a, there's a lot at play. Um, but then that's the natural stuff. Right. But then if you go to the mental stuff, uh, I think there was, I think there was an element in the process of food addiction where I felt secure. I think there was security in food. I think there was a, a lack of valuing of myself when I ate food. Like it just was something that I just, I thought, you know, numb me. I, I began to, to live to eat. Right. Uh, I just, I, instead of eating to live, it was an, it was an issue. I started, con food started consuming me <laughs> instead of me consuming food. It was just a, it was a downward trend. I went to dietitians, nutritionists. I've seen pediatricians. And when I was younger to no avail to not touch the addiction. Uh, I didn't know how bad it was. My parents didn't know how bad it was until I got to my teenage years, to be honest. So it was, I think it just was a developing uh, issue that transpired over amount of time and just blew up to obviously to where I bloomed up to my biggest weight. All right. Now I've, you know, I come from an addicted household. I'm a recovering drug addict. I got 34 years clean now. Um, and for me, it was fun until it wasn't fun anymore. And, you know, and, and even though, you know, people that, you know, struggle with food, because I, you know, I still have, I still have my, my struggles with food because an addictive personality is an addictive personality. Because usually once somebody stops drinking or drugging, they shoot up 30, 40, 50 pounds, start eating all the sugar, starting eating all this. Because it's pretty much the same part of the brain dealing with drugs. It's dealing with sugar, dealing with food. So, you know, talk to us a little bit about the mental aspect of sugar and food. Mm. Man, I, I we can get into some some very uh, controversial categories here and, and remarks, <laughs> uh, when it comes to sugar and the sugar industry and, and the, uh, how, how foods are created to very, I mean, it's very scientific. It's a formula, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, these, these companies, it's all about marketing. Let's be honest. It's all about marketing. You and I, we market, we talk, we, we promote what we do. We love it. And, and it, we believe in it. We want to make, we want to change people's lives. We also want to make a living. Like it's just, it's what we're wired to do. It's what happens. So in, in the world of nutrition or the world of food, uh, sugar industries and, and companies that uh, are, are creating foods that are not healthy for you for a penny or a dollar, I mean, they use a science, they use a formula that, that gets people to want to come back. It's, it's proven. Yeah. I mean, it, you're, you can read study after study on these things. It's smart. Anywhere from coloring to package details to, to sentimental pieces like Coca-Cola commercials. Uh, let's, let's throw the, 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 the bear in there, that uh, polar bear, and let's throw a glass bottle in there and, and make it a comfortable commercial where you can remember your good old days with your family. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a ton of, of strategy that is, that is implied here to get people to bite on. And, and so it's addictive because they create it to be addictive. I mean, sugar is, is, is it evil? Absolutely not. I mean, we can eat it. We can, 
we can have it in our diets. Uh, I would say go easy on it. I wouldn't eat it even in moderation, you know, um, any type of processed sugar, but I would have it periodically in a treat, be it frozen yogurt here and there, or, uh, a treat with my family. That's about it. Uh, I don't, but it, it is addictive. I, I'm not so much addicted to sweets anymore, but, um, it was something that held me, you know, in, in captivity to addiction for sure. So I would say, I mean, look, going to stores, go into stores and check out what people buy, not to judge them, but just check out what they buy. Pretty much 70% of what people buy sugar, right? It's like you see what people have in there. And, and I'm not saying like table sugar. I'm talking like sodas. I'm talking like candies. I'm talking like uh, uh, pastries and, and it just keeps people going. Candy bars, um, donut. I mean, you, you name it, uh, pop tarts, even some of our cereals are laden with sugar it's, it's all over the place and people come back for more, for more, for more. I went off it for a season of my life and I felt the best that I've ever felt. Then I go back on it <laughs> and, uh, I felt terrible. So I'm at a place in my life now, just a treat very rarely. And I'm okay with that. In fact, I'm more than okay with that because I feel really good and it doesn't own me anymore. I tell it what to do. It doesn't tell me what to do. I love it when I'm able to stand strong and have something submit to me instead of me submitting to it. So it has no voice over me. It doesn't. No food should. No substance should. But I have a voice over it. I can tell it. I want to consume you or not consume you. It sounds so simple. sounds so elementary. But but honestly, it's when you're an addict, like you have to, you have to know the simplicity of, of healing, the simplicity of recovery. And it helps to have that simple formula in your mind, right? I don't have to say yes to you. It's that simple. I don't have to say yes to you. You don't own me. You're not consuming me. I'm consuming you. I don't have to go to you and eat a bunch of it. And, and so, and then you find your, you find your, your alternatives, your substitutes, and you, you find new methods or new ways to, to become a healthier person or to get rid of that what was once bad for you. So uh, I'm not sure if we, I mean, I'm sure we can hit on that because you said, you know, you, you were a recovering addict. So right. I'm sure you have your own, uh, your own story of how you got past that and what you're interested in today versus back then. Well, you know, a lot of it, you know, like when we go out to dinner and the waitress will say, you know, do you want to drink? And I'll, and I'll, and, and I'll make fun of it. And I'll be like, no, I'm allergic to alcohol. I break out in handcuffs and they, they, they laugh and they smile a little bit, you know, but I know for me, and I tell, I, when I do my speaking, my gigs and all that, I tell somebody my mindset is I drink, I die next. So there's no, there's no middle ground with me, but with food, you know, like when you're trying to, you know, watch what you eat and then, then you have people around you be like, well, you could just have one donut or, you know, one, whatever. And if yeah. you have an addict's mindset like me, you know, I'm not going to eat one chip if I can't eat the bag. Right. You know, that's kind of like a woman telling me, you know, we can have sex, but you can't finish. And you're like, so why start? <laughs> what's so the why, point? <laughs> yeah, what's the point? Like for me, I used to have friends that would go out. Oh, I had a glass of wine. What does that mean? Because I don't understand. You know what I mean? So then I think sometimes people with food, they'll be they'll do good for a while, and then one they have they find that piece of candy, and then 
they're off to the races and they'll, they'll go off on a tangent for a couple of weeks, months or years, just because of that one time they, they slipped up, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I'm friends with, with addicts and uh, I mean, from all sorts of different walks of life and, and I've seen many amazing transformation stories, right? I've seen people come to faith in Christ and their lives handed over and delivered and totally different set free. I've seen people just get their life right and just, you know, say, I'm done putting this thing down. I've seen people go down that road and, and stay down that road. I've seen people give back into their addictions and end up in jail and, and it's, it's heartening, you know, and, but here's the deal, man. We're not exempt. We're not exempt. And if, if we truly want to stay in a, a place of uh, healing and recovery, then we have to do anything in our power to stay that way. So I, I remember the days when I gave into everything and anything. <laughs> I remember the days where uh, how I felt, right? Just like you probably how you remember the days how you felt. And I didn't like who I was. I didn't. I, I, I was tired of who I was. I was tired of not being able to have any energy. I was tired of having people help me get dressed. I was tired of, of uh, not doing anything out in public because I was so ashamed of what I looked like. I was tired of getting picked on. I, was t- I mean, not that that was my only influence, but it, it played a part. And, and I go back and I visit that. And I'm like, I don't want to go back to that. And even though I walk into a grocery store and, and uh, you know, the, the pastries speak out my name and, and the, the pizzas and, the, and everything else say, hey, Justin, over here, come check me out. Come. And, and I take a quick glance and, and I say, that appearance is awesome. They look great, but I don't need those things, right? And I don't put my, I don't put my hand down to get those. I, don't, uh, I just don't. Now, you know, and if I do, I'm very careful. I'm very careful. If I do, um, I, I, a lot of times I won't eat, uh, junk food or anything alone. You know, um, I, I, I tend to, my, my wife's really good at, at saying things to me in a, in a gentle way, you know, and, and cause I've have slipped up. Right. I mean, we, we buy, sometimes we buy some cookies, you know, like Oreos or, um, just something, whatever you name it, just name a cookie. Right. And so, you know, going to eat some of those, I'll have two and then, 20 minutes goes by, I'll take two more. 20 minutes goes by, I'll take another two. I'll take two more. And then she'll notice like she, cause I, I know she's in the house. So that helps. And I don't rely on her to tell me, but at the same time, like sometimes she'll say, babe, I think, I think you've had it. I think it's good. I think you, you, you're not going to like yourself, but you keep, but if you do this, if you keep doing this. And I'm like, first, my first impression is first off, don't tell me what to do. But my second impression is after my flesh dies down and says, chill out a second, it's, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad that that she that she actually took the time to tell me to chill out a little bit because I don't want to go back. Like those those tendencies can still be there. We're not exempt. But uh, it's always good to have accountability. It's always good to not put yourself in a situation. It's always good to find uh, alternatives or substitutes to what's what was instead of what it could be now. Right. Um, so uh, I, I found some alternatives that I truly enjoy my new way of living. Um, I love exercise, man. I, I like to go lift some weights and, and do some cardio activity. Uh, I like going for walks. I like, I like doing stuff like that. that. That's a huge asset to my life. Now, unfortunately, 
as I used to run, do Stairmasters and Climbers. I did the Jacob's Ladder where you climb the rung and you're, it keeps going. It's just awesome workouts. But then there came out and I was, dude, I loved it because I, I got, I mean, I was doing an hour to hour and a half, like six days a week. Just, just amazing. I loved it. I got this high from it. And eventually my heart started giving me issues. Uh, I started having uh, the beginning stages of atrial fibrillation uh, from, I don't know exactly what from. Uh, some doctors will say just a chance it happens. Uh, other doctors will say it's because you've been so overweight at one point in your life. Other doctors will say it's from overactivity and you have an enlarged heart. I, mean, I don't know. There's never really a solid answer. But it made me have to revisit my exercise sessions. So I had a choice to make in that situation. I could say, well, screw exercising. I don't need to do that anymore because it's going to kill me. <laughs> or I could say, let's just ease into something different and adapt. And that's what we have to do. Winners, uh, champions people who are leaders, man, we adapt. We, we adapt to what we need to adapt to. It changes, it changes the game. We don't make excuses. We don't settle. We just keep rolling with it. So it is important that you find alternatives. Another alternative is I got involved in a church and had a church family and my spiritual life has been different ever since and which reflected on my mental life and my physical life. So you just find all these other alternatives to, to help you get to a better place and to help you you know, refocus your thoughts. Like, I love who I am today. I didn't like who I was back then. So, and I can choose what my addiction is today. I can choose, you know, what what I want to be spending my time on. And and no matter what ailments or conditions or, or situations come up, I can choose to still maintain the best that I can and adapt to those things. All right. So now let me, I want to go back because, you know, um, I'm trying to think, you know, I got up to, I think, 340 pounds, and I thought I was humongous. But you took it to the nth degree. You know, you went up to 600 pounds, which is way beyond. You know, it's just way beyond what most people would think. Um, so what was it walking around? Because I know at 340, I was walking around huffing and puffing and just not feeling good. So what was it like? hobbling around at the 600 pound 700 pound mark what was that like walking in the shell of your body yeah man i would my top weight was 799 i was a i was a donut away from 800 <laughs> so it was uh it it wasn't easy man i mean i you have no idea if you if to get a feel of what that was like and even at 300 and some pounds, bro, it's not easy. It's, it's, you felt the pain, you felt the, mm. the fatigue, you felt the, the energy drain from your body and the, the constant wear and tear on the joints. I mean, it, it's, it's not easy, even at a, at a weight like that. Right. And so imagine that amplified by two to three times when you're uh, even bigger. So how was it walking around? Painful, embarrassing, um, couldn't wait to sit back down. <laughs> uh, it, it was, it was literally just like you're in a prison. The best way I could describe it, if you take, I mean, go ahead and try this. You put, put 100 pounds in your lap. Just try to stand up with 100 pounds in your lap. No, it's not quite the same, but it is the resistance that it creates that, that does give you kind of an idea of how difficult it was to get up. 
right? And then try taking a 50 to 75 pound sack of something, put it on your shoulders and just try to walk around. Like these are going to give you or tie something to your ankles. Like just try to give you an idea of what the resistance felt like and, and how, you know, we do that stuff to work out with. We don't, we don't do that to normal way of life. Like we don't want to walk to the bedroom feeling like that. We want to only do that if we have to work out, or if we want to get stronger. Like, so it was, it was miserable. It wasn't easy. It was um, embarrassing to be in public, to be honest with you. I mean, I remember my journey from 14 to 16, I tried to lose some weight um, and there people would just be brutal. Like they would shout out the window and make fun of my, my chest bouncing, uh, you know, cause I was huffing it kind of jogging a little bit and, you know, run fatty run and, and little things like that. It's like, you know, it, it kind of deterred you from wanting to go and, and <laughs> even exercise in public. And, but I maintained my own. I did end up gaining more weight after that. And um, yeah, it just wasn't easy. So I, I ballooned up to 799. That was my top weight. I was sent to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania by ambulance from Bradford, Pennsylvania, which is like a three to four hour drive. By wait, ambulance. hold on. Just wait one second. I just wanted to, you know, because yeah. this is the, the most important part. But before we yeah. do that, I want to thank our sponsors. Um, as you guys know, I was with GNC for over 30 years. Um, and military 23, I always liked pre-workouts, but they always tasted like ass. So I came out with my own coffee. It's vertical momentum coffee. It's twice the caffeine, twice the energy. It's all veteran hand roasted and 100% of the proceeds go to help people struggling with homelessness and PTSD. So instead of drinking regular coffee, pick up some of our coffee and also help a veteran, veteran or first responder out. Also, as you guys know, um, I love my honey. My friend Sam has his own. He's a beekeeper, which is like the coolest job in the world. And since I've been using his pure honey, my sugar has dropped 240 points just by using honey instead of using pure table sugar. And he makes the most amazing honey lollipops. So if you guys love honey, write honey down below and I'll get that information to you. Now, I know my come whip I can take you back to the minute the day of my come to Jesus moment can you take us back to that moment when you figured enough is enough I have to do I have to get healthy or I'm going to die can you bring us back to the day before your come to Jesus moment yeah man I I was in a hospital bed in Pittsburgh uh they, they wheeled me down um, <laughs> just to paint the picture. Uh, we talk about my 600-pound life and seeing those those situations, right? The I, – I had to – I was so big. I couldn't even fit in a full-size car very well. I mean, my, my dad had to – I had to see a doctor. This is, this is like a week before that moment. I had to see a doctor, and my dad – uh, tried to help me into the vehicle. It was a full-size vehicle. I think it was an Olds Intrigue, Oldsmobile Intrigue, full-size. And I laid in the back. He pushed my foot in in a hurry and slammed the door in a hurry because I was popping, you know, my foot was going to pop out the door. It couldn't fit. So I was laying down in the back seat on one elbow trying to just make it 10 minutes down the road to the doctor's office. They find the extra-wide, large wheelchair for me. I barely fit in it put me into the doctor's office and the doctor said, 
you're going to have to go to the hospital somewhere else. I mean, we, he was checking me over. They closed the hospital. They closed the doctor's office down before I got there. So nobody else would be there because I was embarrassed to go out. And he told me I need to get some help. I didn't want to get help. I was a teenager. I was 14 or I was 16. I didn't want any help. I was just like, Nope, no help. Whatever. Put up a little attitude. Right. They sent me home, sent me home. And then a couple days later, like five, six days later, I get this knock on the door and it's an ambulance crew and they wanted to take me to Pittsburgh uh, to get some help and assistance. My family was trying to encourage me to go. I didn't want to, I cried. I was just being stubborn, didn't want to do it. Right. And like, I wanted my comfort. I wanted where I was at. I wanted to feel good where I was at, even though I wasn't feeling good. I wanted to be where I was at because I was comfortable. Right. And so, uh, there were outside man painting the picture of this. There was an ambulance crew out there. There was a fire department team out there. It was literally like something on the learn air discovery channel, you know, like or TLC or something like these, these stories that you see on TV. I just was like, can't believe it's really happening. And they said, we got to get you down there. We got to get you somewhere. You need some help. And, and finally, after fighting for 10 minutes, which seemed like longer, but I finally gave in and recognized that I needed to do something. And then they sent me to uh, Pittsburgh by ambulance. It was a terrible ride. It was uncomfortable. It was three to four hours. And she remembers being miserable, right? And, and not feeling like I want to be here. And so they put me in a the hospital. They got me, like, checked me over. Um, I had some, some, actually, my health was decent. I had sleep apnea. That's really the only bad thing I had. And my oxygen level was pretty low. Those two things were really just the only issues. Uh, heart was good and, and lungs were good in a sense. And, and uh, my, my organs were, were fine. No diabetes. And I mean, it was, I was truly blessed not to not have any big issues from being so large at 16. And they got me into the doctor hospital. They, they admitted me for, for about two weeks. And I remember just sitting there and pondering life, like what's going on? You know, like I, I didn't know. I was going to live or die. I didn't know what was going to happen. And, and I just wanted to be normal. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to just be a normal kid. I wanted to play with my friends. I wanted to play football. I wanted to um, just go to school, get married one day, have a girlfriend, you know, and, and just all that stuff. And I didn't like who I was, even though I was only 16, I, I knew this wasn't where I was supposed to be, but I, I truly just needed some help. And you say, come to Jesus. Well, that's the exact moment I did come to Jesus and I needed his assistance through the journey. And I knew the way I was living my life wasn't working anymore. I needed something different. I needed the one who wanted my life. And so my life transformed when I called on that name. Now it wasn't overnight. I'm not a perfect guy. I'm not, you know, I, I still mess up and I still messed up when I was, when I was losing my weight and everything, but my life purpose became different, you know, value and love and, and recognizing that I mattered and, and knowing that I'm significant, knowing that I count, right? And I'm liked and I'm loved. And so it changes the game in your mind because when you're overweight, and I'm sure you kind of felt way like this sometimes, but when you're overweight, you kind of you kind of just like your your drive for life sometimes just goes away for a little bit, right? You you don't recognize it, you find it in other things, but but there's a there's a point where you're kind of at your lowest and you're just like. I know I'm not supposed to be like this. <laughs> I know this isn't life to the full. I know this isn't, I'm not really happy with who I am. I'm not, 
I don't want my life like this. And it's like, what, what's my purpose? Why am I here? What am I doing? And okay. So, you know, let me ask you a question because I know, you know, because I'm, I am a type two diabetic um, because of all the damage I've done to my body. You know, there's times when I would sit there when I first got diagnosed with like, why can't I eat like everybody else? Hmm. Why can't I be like everybody else? Even without, you know, like, why couldn't I just be able to sit down and crack open a beer and have one? You know, so talk to us about, you know, um, what that's like. Because I'm sure you had, as you're sitting there in a hospital bed, your mind's going because that's the only thing you're that's with you at that moment. I'm sure these thoughts had to go through you. You know, why am I like this? So did you go through a lot of thinking like that? Yeah, man, I did. I, I, it's like, there's so many things in life we don't have answers to, you know? And I mean, some of it's self-inflicted, I'll be honest, you know, it's, 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 if once we take the blinders off for a second and get through the moment, you look back and you can see, that's why I'm here. I abused, I, I mistreated my body. I, I was addicted. I allowed it to happen. My living conditions weren't that good. I mean, you can retrace your steps and kind of figure out this is where I'm at today. And this is why, but in the moment, you don't know why <laughs> in a moment you're kind of blind to those things. And, and, and they always, people would ask me, you know, what, how did you not know you were getting bigger? I promise you, I don't remember getting bigger. I don't remember having big issues like that. I don't remember feeling, I mean, I knew what I felt. I knew I was overweight. I just didn't know what to, to what extent, because to me, I was just being normal yeah. <laughs> to me. I was just, doing what I always knew what I, what I, what I loved. And it's just like a person who, you know, like just a person who loves to, you pick a hobby. It, it's what you love to do. If you like, if you like golf, you're going to go golfing. If you, if you like to work out, you're going to work out. If you like to cook, you're going to cook. And it's just normal. It's natural. It's what you know. And that's what I knew. So did I, did I get to a point? Yes. I got to a point where I thought, why, how did I get here? Yeah, I did. But that self-reflection eventually led to, I know why I got here. And that's why today, Rich, I want to help other people just not get there. I want to help people no longer stay in that place. You know, I want, I want people to understand that they don't have to, they don't have to just live there. They don't have to settle. They don't have to just want to or be in that place in life, but they actually can thrive in life. They actually have a, they can have a life that, that's life to the full. They can have a, a good and satisfying and rich life. I'm not even talking wealth. I'm talking just a life to enjoy. I'm talking a, a life of what you make it. And, you know, you can be the person who goes through the hardest times. I mean, I see people, I have a buddy who's in a wheelchair, right? And, and, the guy is one of the happiest guys. I'm sure he goes through some things in his mind. I'm sure of it. I'm sure he always questions why he was in an accident and he doesn't have any feeling in his lower body. But I'll tell you what, man, this guy, he's one of the strongest dudes I know. Like he can go to, I, I watched, he was at the gym. Like I've seen him at the gym and he's, he's just like lifting, he's benching, he gets himself out of his chair and he like sits in and sits on the bench and just like starts like benching more than I ever would in my life, you know? And and it's just 
it's who he is. Like he just loves what he does and, and he doesn't just settle where he's at. Like he doesn't make excuses. He, I want to like, I want people to not stay where they're at. I want them to see where they're at in life. Recognize that a situation might not be that good. Situation might just suck deep down. Right. And it's not good, but your mind can transform in that moment and say, I'm going to be the best I can be in these moments. And I'm going to thrive in life. If a guy, you know what, you know what, if this story ended right now, just that part where you said, don't settle where you're at. Just that one sentence is worth this whole interview because that's something I want to talk about because I got thrown out of the military for being a drug addict, got back in, was about to be thrown out again until September 11 happened. And my whole world got changed upside down. And um, the Lord saved me. Thank God for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But it was that that I had to make a decision. And for me, my tagline on the show is today I decide. I decide mm-hmm. to be a victim or a victor like my brother Joel Osteen talks about. Um, but like you said, you know, you don't want to get stuck where you're at. But like my other brother, James Clear, wrote a book called Atomic Habits. And he says that you're 80 to 90 percent of your habits, what you do every day. So the brother, you when you came home, you could have went back and started eating again and started doing the same thing again. What was those steps when you first started to reimagine and reinvent your life? So talk to us a little bit about your decisions and your habits when you got home. It sucked. <laughs> it was, it was totally night and day brother. It was, it was different. Um, and I remember in the hospital and they put me up for two, I, I might even been over three weeks. I don't remember now. I think it was, it was at least two, but it could have been three, but they had me, they gave me this, this approach to eating, which I hated. I hated it was, I always, I always joked around. I was like, it was like cardboard and water, right? It was cardboard and water. It just didn't taste good. So uh, I had to redo my way of eating. Like I couldn't just gorge myself over everything. I had to start eating. At this point in my life, I was eating fat, free, low fat, which I'm not a big fan of today. I just do normal, natural things, but I'm just going to, for story's sake, go back. They put me on a, a fat, free, low fat diet, a low calorie diet. Uh, so I was eating, I went from probably eating like 4,000 to 5,000 calories a day down to like 1200 to 1300 calories a day. Uh, I was probably eating 100 and 200 uh, grams of fat a day to now maybe 60 or less a day, maybe even less than that. Uh, so it was a huge shift, huge shift. And I went from drinking soda and Kool-Aid to now drinking water and maybe some unsweetened tea, which I had to learn how to like, um, but yeah, and maybe some diet soda, which I'm not a fan of today either, but these are all things that I did and, and night and day differences in my life. And I had to no longer say yes to the foods I really enjoyed um, for a season. Right? And, and it wasn't easy. And then moving, dude, I was like, I remember my first steps, my first steps back into my house. I live in a house trailer. It was a, it was a normal, it was a mobile home when I, when I was growing up. I remember going back into that home, sitting on my bed, getting put on oxygen, having the hose long enough so I can, I can, you know, get out in my living room and back to my bedroom. And, and they, they did all that. And I remember the first, it was 
it was the next day. I remember the first thing, the first exercise I did that was walking to my living room, which is about 40 feet from my bedroom. I, my physical therapist came to my house cause I was prescribed one. Uh, and she came over, my mom and dad were beside me helping me got me through the hallway, which was very, I had to walk through sideways cause I was so large. I couldn't fit down the hallway and the floor was weak and my foot goes through the floor. I'm scared out of my mind at that moment. I'm like, I'm going to fall. So my heart's racing. Talk about panic attack. I'm having a panic attack right there. And, and I'm like, this is terrible. I, I you know, what's happening. And, and I start freaking out. And eventually my parents hold me up on each arm much as they can. And the therapist grabs my leg and pushes it out. I mean, it went down probably about a, maybe about a foot. And I was scared. And I, I uh, 10 feet later, got to the couch, sat down. I cramped up like no tomorrow. My leg was so crampy. It was, I was, I was in tears. It wouldn't go away. I was crying. Like it's, this is 16. You know, I was like this pain, this pain. Cause I haven't walked that far that long that for, for a long time. And my back was aching and it was just, it was miserable, man. It was miserable. And, and I was just highly encouraged by my therapist. She just said, my physical therapist, she just said, it's all gonna be worth it. You know, you're doing good. You're, you're recovering here. This is all going to be worth it. It's going to get easier. It's going to get easier. It's going to get easier. I tracked my mile, my first mile from coming home. It took me 66 days to complete a mile. Then uh, I, tracked my, I, I tracked my second mile, which is like 30, 31 days or 33 days, something like that. And then it just got better from there. So my process was, and after my first mile, this was all in the house, in a trailer, after my first mile, I started going outside again. I actually stood in the sunlight and felt, whoa, I felt like I was a vampire. I was so white, so pale. And it was amazing just to be out in the sun again. And I just remember like, it's just, it was a slow process, but the, the winds throughout was just, was awesome. It was worth, you know, every time I saw a win, I was reminded of it was a win. I reminded how far I've come, reminded how far God brought me. And it changed my life. And I, I just was like one went after another, after another, after another. And it just used that those momentum to really shift to more of a positive approach and uh, stability in my journey of getting better. Okay. Now, you know, cause like, like I said, I was with GNC for 30 years and um, we all knew that December 28th to the first going to place is going to be packed. Everybody's going to come in and buy supplements and proteins and, New sweat, new outfits, new sweat outfits, and all this good stuff. Everybody's joining the gym, and then in April, there's nobody in the gym. But you know, a, a lot of people would make fun of the heavy people that would come into the gym, and I would say, "Look at that! They're lapping everybody that's sitting on the couch right now. So no matter what you know shape they're in now, they're doing better than 100% of the people that are sitting on their couches right now. Yeah. So now, as you're getting healthier again." You're starting to eat healthy. Are you seeing some changings in the attitudes, the way people treat you? Um, and did anybody you start cracking on you now that you're losing losing the weight and getting healthy? Did you feel that you know they're starting to look down upon you because you're you're start, you're doing stuff that they're not doing? Yeah, that was true. I did see that. I did see that. So I, I developed confidence as I got smaller. Just what happens. You you get a grip on life and now you're confident. Now you can do this. You got the bull by the horns and you're going to ride this thing until, until it dies, right? You got this. 
well, I'm, I'm feeling confident doing well. I'm seeing 200 pounds lost in the first year, 200 pounds down in the second year. So that's 400 pounds in two years from that moment, man, I've got people, I got, I got a buddy of mine, uh, posts anonymously on uh, a forum that I was on and, and said, uh, he said, get fat, lose weight, get famous. Like, and his IP, I knew his IP address. I'm like, who would say that? And I'm like, you know, and I knew who that was. And and in person, these things didn't really happen too much, but you know, online, I definitely got some hate, uh, from, from people I thought were on my, on my side riding with me. But, uh, apparently, you know, as things change, I think people just get kind of jealous or man, I wish I could do that. I mean, I had people, my one person I, I really looked up to got mad at me, uh, because I didn't eat the way he was eating. Like he, like, I didn't want the white bread. I didn't want the sugary peanut butter. I didn't want the, the ramen noodles. You know, I didn't want that stuff. It just wasn't something I would eat anymore. Um, if it was the only thing I had, absolutely. You got to do what you got to do in life. Just practice moderation. But I had choices. I had choices and I didn't want to do that. I was good, but not because of where I was in life. And so he would get mad at me and like, just have a little bit. It's okay. Just eat moderation. Just eat a little bit at a time. I lost 60 pounds by you know, eating half of what I ate, you know, I still have potatoes. I still have hot dogs. I still have white bread. I still, that's great. And I never once, never once, you know, told him that he's doing anything wrong. I never preached to anybody unless they asked, unless they asked, how do you do it? I lived out the example in front of people and, and it, it received hate. I had a lot of people though say, thank you for showing me the example. Thanks for helping me change my life. I mean, you have both, you have both and you got to be okay with that. You got leaders will lead and they will receive a lot of eyes on them, right? They'll receive a lot of people watching every move you make. You are an example and every person will look at you in a unique way, positive or negative. And so you got to be okay with both, but don't let the one or two people who criticize you or hate on you deter you from your trajectory of helping the, the hundreds and hundreds of people who you or thousands even that you're going to be helping who finds you to be a, you know, a role model or a leader or uh, a person who's going to help them through their, their time. Right. So that's the way I, I mean, that, that's what some of the stories that I've had, but I've learned to just kind of, I mean, I've, I've, I mean, dude, I've been on TV shows, right. And I've, I've, I've heard so much criticism from those TV shows, from the comments, you go read those comment sections, you can sit there and, and you want to grab a, a, a carton of ice cream and just kind of sit there and ugly cry. I'm like, oh, I can't believe they said that about me. You know, you could say that, uh, but you don't, you just, people are people. We live in a world that's broken. People aren't always nice and, and people tend to not always be the best people. You All right. So then let me, you know, let me ask you because something that, you know, when I was a bodybuilder and I was like 340 pounds, I was huge. I was jacked. My chest was out of here. And, but once I lost the weight, now it's, stretch marks and the hanging skin to where, you know, people would say, you know, you look great, but I would never take my shirt off. I still don't take my shirt off to this day. I don't go in the swimming pool with my shirt off because I know I had the hanging skin. I had the, the stretch marks. So, you know, even though you're getting healthier, you're losing the weight, you know, the body's only can get elastic so much. Yeah. So talk to us about the mental part of that. You know, when everybody says you're looking great, and you're thinking, yeah, but if you only see me in the mirror. Oh, uh, dude, uh, I, I made a book called Made in His Image. Now, 
it is a book geared towards what God says about us instead of what we believe about ourselves. But I do want to get the point across that it is a book that deals with the mind. And I wrote it. I'm not saying that to, to put it out there right now, but I'm just saying it for this reason. It's, it's real. Your thought life, you can self-defeat yourself and believe all the criticism, believe, you know, I struggle with that. So I wrote a book about it. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's interesting how you can definitely allow that to dictate how you react and how you, how you react and act in life. I mean, I, I'll show you, like I have one, I had a surgery done. Like I had to see a scar there, right? Like that's, I have excess skin right here. I mean, it's just, it's right here. But this arm is not as bad, but it's still like, it, it happens. Now, even after skin reductions, I still go around like wearing a short sleeve shirt like I am right now. I'll still feel a little insecure. I'll still feel a little like, they're looking at me. I have my, my calves have some varicose veins that are pretty easy to see. They bulge out pretty well. I've had them taken care of once and they come back uh, for multiple reasons. But <coughs> I also have excess skin on my calves and they're my problem areas. And so wearing shorts is an adventure. It's like, I, I, and I've seen people, man, I because I'm insecure about it. I've seen people and I've watched their eyes because I look and I want to see mm -hmm. looking at me. They looking at me like I follow them like part. If, if I wasn't so insecure, I would not look. I wouldn't care. So there's days where I'm like, I got this. There's days where I like have to be very mindful. But I, I've watched my wife and I were at a restaurant. Uh, it was like a one of these hippie vegan places that we were just checking out. <laughs> and uh, we went there and there was these this, these two ladies sitting at a desk or sitting at a table. And I was just kind of like. You know, I look around because I wear shorts that day. It was hot. Summer here in Texas, or they're hot. Mm -hmm. So I'm wearing shorts, right? And and I'm like watching her eyes, watching this lady's eyes. And she's doing none of these things with her friend, like, and looking down and pointing. And I look at my wife and I'm like, lady, those ladies over there are talking about me and pointing to my legs. She goes, I'm going to beat them up. <laughs> <laughs> like no no that's fine but it it just you know it's uh it's just something that that you know you're gonna deal with and truthfully nobody not everybody knows your story and and you're gonna have to be okay with people not knowing your story and i have to tell my, i'm telling myself that now as well like i'm gonna have days where i'm not gonna want to wear shorts because i'm not good in here mm -hmm. but i'm gonna have plenty of days where i'm gonna wear shorts because i am good in here and I'm going to try to have those good days be more and more than those bad days. But it's all a process. And I'm not going to I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm not going to hate on myself for it. I'm just going to take it one day at a time and hope the best and believe the best. And I'm going to see, you know, I'm going to I'm going to see this to the end where I'm going to actually be more confident every day. So summer's coming. We'll see what happens. All right. So then, you know, I know I, can, I know the exact day when I decided to turn my mess into my message. And that was Memorial Day 2012, the day I attempted suicide. Um, but what was the time? Because normally people can, they know the exact time when they're like, if I'm struggling with this, there's so many other people that are struggling this. So when did you decide to start making your mess your message? It all started August 2003. Uh, that was that was the the year that my life changed and transformed. That's the year that that God took a hold of my life and, and changed me. Uh, that's the day where I started allowing my life to be different. Um, I never knew it was going to become a message 
I just knew that's where it started. So I always contribute, you know, attribute it back to August, 2003, where my story started. I knew I was on the up and up. I didn't know that was going to be a message for millions of people to see because it did go to millions. They, you know, the TV shows that I was on, the, the magazines that I was into, the websites that did articles on me created millions, millions of, of views and, and opportunities beyond platforms. And, and no, I didn't capitalize on those a hundred percent where I could have, but I didn't. Uh, a lot of them censored my faith. A lot of them censored, you know, how to get a hold of me, <laughs> which is another subject that, you know, that we're not talking about right now, but um, I didn't know all that was going to happen, but I do know that my life changed and I do know I was going to be, I was going to help other people. I didn't know that I was going to succeed and I'm sure people were going to watch me. That's all I knew. Well, and on this, this platform, we're all about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's never going to be an issue here. And wherever they can find you, that's what I'm putting in the liner notes to find you anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you a question because I've known a lot of people that have lost weight. I got a friend, my friend Clark, Clark Bartram. He's been on over 100, 150 covers, you know, all different magazine covers. He's 50 years old and walks around at 7% body fat, but he's not an asshole about it. And you get a lot of people like for me, you know, when I quit drinking, it doesn't mean everybody else around me can't have drinks, can't have wine. Like in my, my refrigerator down here, there's beer, there's wine, there's all this alcohol. It's not for me, but I don't, you know, tell everybody, oh, you're drinking or you're having a beer. Right. So, you know, what is it like, especially when you if you got a family and you got kids, you know, they're going to want some sweet stuff sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. you don't want to, and you don't want to, you know, start talking bad about that stuff because then they're just yeah. going to want it more. And right. then you're just creating a, a whole shit storm. Yeah. So what's that like, you know, trying to bring fitness into your life and into your family? So the good news is my family's pretty active. They are somewhat health conscious. Uh, my wife more than my son. Uh, but, you know, he's very active and it, it's just, there's a balance in life. It's just a balance. Uh, you know, we, we try to go for some walks together and, uh, try to incorporate fitness in that avenue. Uh, we try to, when it comes to our dinners and stuff, and and at least we sit down and have our meal together. We we tend to have vegetable at the meal. We tend to have healthier proteins at the meal. So we are set up in a sense of where we're very, you know, we are health conscious. Now, there, I'm probably more strict on what I eat versus what they eat, even though my wife doesn't eat bad, really. She eats pretty good. She's doing a gluten-free thing right now because of her thyroid. But um, it's it's it looks like this. It looks like encouragement. It looks like we don't scold for bad foods. We just say, have a banana first, kid. Like, that's all. You know, it's it's that simple. Like, get some vegetables and fruits in you. Get some, get some protein in you. Like, these are just the encouraging words we give you uh, to, to, you know, if you're going to have, if you're going to have a, uh, a, a candy bar, have a candy bar, but you're going to have a banana today. 
have a banana or apple, like your choice, your, but your, your, and, and it sounds like child abuse, but it's not like you're going to have something healthy for your life because we care about you enough to help you here. So he understands he's like, okay, that's fine. You know? And, and sometimes like, I don't want to eat one. Okay. Then you can have your, you can have something else later or something healthier than a, can, than a candy bar. It's just like, you put some restrictions on it. You guide them, you, you give them choices. That's all important. It also looks like this. We go out to eat. There's time and place that we do. There's a time where I'm going to get uh, I love Mexican food. One of my favorites. My wife and I both love it. Actually, all three of us love it. And we go and, and I'm having the chips and guac. I'm having a chip and my, my son wants to order queso. Okay. I don't want to pay for both queso and avocado and guacamole. I just hate doing that, but I do it sometimes. But I'm like, all right, sometimes we'll compromise and say, okay, let's get the queso. I'll just have a little bit of it and I'll probably eat more of the salsa. And then Sometimes I say, let's get the guacamole because it's healthier for you. It just looks like compromising, right? It looks like compromising. It looks like just doing this as, as a family. It looks like going out for frozen yogurt and not eating the frozen yogurt, but just having the fruit. There's fruit there for me. I'm going to have my wife. She, she doesn't eat a lot of frozen yogurt anyway when she goes out with that. So I have like a bite or two of hers and I'll get a plate uh, or a bowl of just like berries because I like it. You know, I don't need it. And uh, maybe if I wanted some, I'll put some Cool Whip on that or something. But other than that, I just don't. It looks different for me. And I don't miss it. Last night, we got some frozen yogurt. It was a small, like literally it was the smallest frozen yogurt I've ever got in my life. But we shared it between three people. <laughs> I had two bites. It was amazing. It tasted amazing. I put the spoon down. Actually, I threw my spoon away because that I couldn't, I'm not getting it back out of the garbage. <laughs> you know, so I, it's just smart moves like that that make you, you gotta, you gotta just things like, that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like to eat healthy. That's what it looks like with a family. That's what it looks like, you know, to, to be a healthy person. Okay. Now, like for me, you know, I know that my body runs better on lower carbs. If I'm mm -hmm. eating higher protein, you know, and, but as soon as I start putting milk or dairy products back in my body, I know I can feel the inflammation. I can yeah. feel it, you know, but a lot of people don't realize that we're drinking so many products that were never made for the human body to consume. You know, we're never, milk was never supposed to be for us to consume or even, I, I love yogurt. I love Chobani yogurts, but I can only have one or two until I start to feel the inflammation in my body. So talk, you know, there's certain foods that cause inflammation in the body and you don't even know about it until somebody tells you about it. Like I have a friend, um, he doesn't, Tom Brady, he doesn't eat any uh, anything with inflammatory, you know, any even like uh, tomatoes, anything that can cause the body inflammation in the body. He won't eat. But a lot of people, you don't hear about stuff like this because it's not sexy that we're not supposed to be drinking milk. You know, we're not supposed to be drinking yeah. dairy. It's yeah. not good for us and it causes inflammation. So talk to us a little bit about that. Drop some knowledge. Yeah. Inflammatory responses in the body. That's, that's a, that's a big one because there are certain foods that cause it more than others. I think what it comes down to is you want, I mean, cause honestly I can do dairy personally and not feel the effects of it personally. I have people who are lactose intolerant. I have people who respond to dairy and as it creates an inflammatory response, I have people who can eat gluten and they're fine. They'd have no responses from it. I have people who have to eat it and, and they're, they have celiac or mm -hmm. they are gluten intolerant. I mean, it's all over the board. I would say this, you stick to the way God created things. You do it in a way that the best thing to do 
like I, 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 Rich, I do love a low carb approach. That's one of my favorite approaches. I do eat more carbohydrates than I used to now, but it's not like terrible. I mean, I probably do maybe 70 to 80 grams a day, still considered some, maybe even 90, still considered pretty much a, a lower carb diet because I enjoy the proteins and the healthy fats. So that being said, um, I tend to, to lean more towards, you know, a, a healthy protein amount and all this stuff. But that being said, I'm trying to, so when it comes to inflammatory responses, I know sugar is number one. I know for me, sugar creates some, if I'm overdoing it, I get some aches. My heart starts palpitating. I, and, and that, that's the digestion that that's the whole process of digesting and all that stuff too. But at the same time, I don't feel good. My heart starts skipping beats when I have too much sugar. Um, which tells me that there's something going on there. Not a little bit. I mean, a little bit I'm fine with, but a lot of it, something happens with that. I have an inflammatory response one way or another pain or lethargic, you know, being lethargic or things like that. When it comes to wheat, some people, I mean, they get, they get bloated. They get, uh, they get some like gas. They start feeling really tired and fatigued. They get headaches. You just have to know your body. Everybody's going to be different. Uh, I would always say, keep it clean as possible. You know, you want to go to where, how God created it. So free range grass fed beef would always be great. Um, or free range chickens, grass fed beef, uh, grass fed, the grass finished even better. Uh, you're, you're, you eat basically what those animals eat. You're, you're eating when you consume a chi- an egg, when that animal and that chicken eats terrible food for it, that wasn't designed to eat or has been genetically modified or whatever, you're consuming what they're eating and consuming in their body. And so when you have what they give you, you're eating that part of the chicken. Like you just ate like a, a diet. They just ate corn that, or any, whatever feed they're given that is high in omega six fatty acids and very low in omega three fatty acids. What's the problem with that? Is omega six, omega three good? Yes. They're all, you need them both in your life. It's good. But once they're out of ratio where you have a mm-hmm. high omega six uh, ratio versus a low, you know, when you've got omega six like this, omega three like this, that's a recipe for inflammation for inflammatory responses for your body. You want higher omega threes, but you do need omega sixes too. So it's just when our, when the fats get out of whack or when the things that you eat get out of whack, mostly from terribly, you know, consuming foods that were terribly raised, think bad things can happen. Your body responds in a negative way. People get heart disease, people get cancers, people get diabetes, people get, and it just happens from the terrible diet that we do have. So I always tell people eat, the way God made things. If you have to go gluten-free, go gluten-free, preferably just go gluten-free, I would say, because, you know, the way our, our breads and everything's processed these days, I don't trust it anyway. Uh, so, and it's amazing that in, in some other countries you can eat their grains or their bread and like their types of breads, how they make their bread and have their gluten there. I'll do the studying on this versus how we grow our bread and or grow our stuff here to create the bread, how different our body responds to the gluten from that bread. Why? How we grow it. I believe, I mean, you can do, we can get on a rabbit trail. I mean, I could talk about this stuff for a long time because I love talking about this stuff and I love educating people just to do some research on these things. Don't eat what the food industry just puts out to you and says, here, it's healthy for you. Special K is not healthy for you. I don't care what you say. Special K is not healthy for you. Uh, Those veggie straws that we get in the stores that say they're 40% 40% less fat, but you know, like a potato chip, but they're vegetables. They might have some nutrition in them, but they're not healthy for you. Like just 
we got to stop being duped and tricked into buying things that are quote unquote healthy for you. Stop it. Your body needs real whole foods for best results. I'll leave yeah. it at that. And, and, and most people don't realize that sugar feeds cancer cells. And it, it's proven, I mean, not all cancers, but I know there's at least eight or 12 different cancers that the keto diet will actually help starve some of the cancer cells. Mm-hmm. So that's something else to put out there. I have a but buddy also, who's cancer who actually was told to be put on a ketogenic approach and it helped stop the growth of that. Now, didn't take it away, but it slowed the growth. So it tells you that something's going on there. And then they, I've seen a study that came out because I'm still, I still study it up as much as I can, that people that have the Mediterranean diet, that follow the Mediterranean diet, are so much less likely to have dementia and Alzheimer's. So there's a reason there's a reason why, you know, countries like Italy, even France, you know, Fr- um, where they eat a higher level of fat, but they have less cancer, mm-hmm. less diabetes, less heart issues, even though they're eating, you know, higher in fats, they're eating more healthy fats, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, and, and resveratrol and the red wines, I mean, they're yeah. in France is good for and cheese. So we talk about the inflammatory responses to cheese. Yes. I agree with that. It can happen. But there's also some positive benefits to consuming cheese for the heart. If you ever read on those studies as well, interesting, they can actually be beneficial. Even full fat cheese. France, yes. Cheese, wine are two of the big things. That, that's that's one of the things they eat there, right? And drink there. So guess what? Their cases of heart disease, lower here, lower there than here. So there's something to natural approaches to food, right? There's something, hey, Mike, good to, good to see you on here, man. So, yeah, I would say there's always benefits to eating natural for sure. All right. So now the last couple of minutes, tell us a little bit about your podcast. Tell us a little bit about your book and tell us what you got going on today because you're even making a bigger splash today than you ever did. Socials have a lot of opportunities to to get out there, you know, and to connect with people that you never connect with. So shout out to the platforms that put me on in the past on uh, different TV shows and everything. Uh, Too bad you didn't show my stuff then. I am going to find a way to get out there anyway. (laughs) Got to put a little jab out there, bro. Anyway, so I I do have opportunities to share with people on socials. You can follow me on Facebook, on Instagram. Instagram is Insta. Uh, I-N-S-T-A with Justin. Uh, you can check me out on there. Facebook, I was lucky enough to get a tag, but facebook.com backslash Justin Willoughby, my name here. So you can always follow me there. Man, I today what I do, I, I help people become set free from themselves. That's what I do. So call me a coach, call me a mentor, call me a person who wants to help others, whatever you want to call me, that's what I do. Uh, I'm, I'm right now connected with a company called Energize Health. That's one company that I utilize to, to change, make changes to people. EnergizeHealth.com is the website. Uh, I also write books. I help people by writing books about my story and how to overcome things in life and obstacles and securities, how to lose weight, how to get healthier, how to get more fit. Also a motivational public speaker. Love talking to people. My podcast is amazing. Not as amazing as this one, but it is amazing. It's 600 pounds down. Uh, you can find it on Apple Podcast, on Spotify, and Amazon Music. It is a blast. I love doing that stuff. 
Okay, so now if we want to get your books, where do we get your books? Books are on Amazon. You can check it out there. Made in His Image is my first is my one book that's out right now. Uh, just released it about three months ago, and then the other ones are it's called One Step. Uh, there's so you can find them all. Just search for Justin Willoughby on Amazon. My books will pop up. And you can go ahead and support me with those if you'd like, which I would love because it's good material and it's nice to see people support. And I love that, you know, your book was, you know, one step because I, I was talking to somebody yesterday and we were talking about recovery. And I said, you know, even in AA, the only step you have to do perfectly is the first one mm-hmm. to admit you're powerless. Other than that, you can, you can screw up the other 11, but as long as you do the one right. But you have to take the first step in order to take the second, third, and fourth step. So I love that your book is called, you know, the one step method. I think because yeah. I think that you have to take the first step. And I think that's the hardest part is somebody to say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I have to take this step. So yeah. I, I love that. Yeah, man. Brother, that, that's the motto. One step. Brother, I'm so grateful that we got to hang out today. So guys, make sure you pick up his book. Like I said, I've been following them uh, probably for a good five, six years. So make sure you follow him on Instagram. He's always posting positive stuff. Um, I've even seen him pray over some people. So if you need prayers, I'm sure that more he, more than likely will sit down and pray with you if you're struggling. So, brother, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Rich. What a pleasure, a privilege to be here today. Thank you. I'm glad we got to work this out. Uh, you know, it's busy schedules and everything, but we we made it work. But it has been a blessing. It's been a blast. I love talking about uh, my story and sharing how, you know, God's helped me through things and how to inspire others. So you keep doing what you're doing, too, though, man. You're making some differences in people's lives as well. I love it. So, guys, uh, like I said, you know, you guys know my tagline. You know, today I decide. Guys, today you get to decide to be the victim or the victor. And I know you guys, you're dream warriors. So you want to live the American dream. You can live the American dream if you're dead ground. So make that decision to get healthy today and to be there for your family and walk your daughter down the aisle while she's when she gets married. So, guys, I love you. Thank you so much. And, Justin, brother, thank you so much. All right, guys, I got to go. Remember... Vertical momentum, the only way to go is butt up, and I will catch you tomorrow. Have a great week, Justin. See you, Rich. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.